Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Fight Night podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Castro. It's a pleasure once again to be in your company. However, if it's the first time that you've ever come here, you thought, you know something, doing a bit of great boxing on the weekend. I fancy a little bit of boxing talk. What does TalkSport offer? Well, we offer this Fight Night podcast on a week-by-week basis. And every now and again, we do some specials in there as well. Subscribe. You'll never miss out on any of our Fight Sports content that we knock out on a week-by-week basis. You can do it on iTunes if you're looking for Fight Night or if you head to the TalkSport website... That's where you'll get your Android feeds. Now, let's get on uh, with re- with going back over Saturday night's programme because we had some top-level guests. We started the show speaking to the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control, Robert Smith. The reason why we had him on is because, if you remember last week uh, on the Josh Warrington card, there were some controversies. Controversial judging scoring, some controversial refereeing. So for transparency, myself and Gareth wanted to throw some questions his way and hopefully shed a little bit of light on how we can improve as a sport going forward with judging and refereeing. Here he is. Let's talk about the Josh Warrington fight, first of all, and get into the fact that people were unhappy with the way that fight played out. Yeah, no, I can understand that. I was obviously there. I I actually think he was hurt in the first round. He never really covered from the first round, to be honest. But when he went down, he went down heavily. He obviously looked in, in a little bit of distress. And Howard was a referee. Howard Foster was a referee. I've every faith in Howard. So I spoke to him afterwards and I've received his report since. If I spoke to him on the evening and spoke to him again on the Monday or the Tuesday after the bout, he said to me that his eyes were completely clear and he answered any and the questions he was given. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's, hindsight is a wonderful thing, 90, 90, you know, 99% vision. But you know, Howard had to make a call in split seconds. He gave him every opportunity to continue and he decided that was the way to do it. People are saying, you know, lots of people saying a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things thrown at us or certainly thrown at me. I put my faith in Howard. I know all the referees and the judges I appoint, I have faith in, and he did his job. People can criticise afterwards, no problem at all. But at the time, I'm very happy with what he did. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Out of the two things that we're going to speak about, Howard's in the heat at the moment. It's a very, very difficult job being a referee in a fight and you've got to make that split decision. It's very easy being sat on my couch at home and making decisions and and thinking how how something should play out. You just mentioned there regarding an appraisal process there, Robert, just for fans at home and transparency of how things are uh, looked at post-event. What's the process with referees? If there is a situation like we saw last weekend where, for example, people thought maybe it should be stopped in the fourth, what's the process after the fight for the referee? It does frustrate me somewhat that people don't think that we're transparent or that there's no procedures in place. Somebody mentioned oh, the Football Association will have referees come in front of them. We, we do that. Um, you know, we have that procedure in place. I've now received all the reports from the whole show, not, not just that particular bout, but every single show we have reports come in to see if things have gone wrong, see if things have gone right, how we can improve things. And we look at them very, very seriously and things have been changed. You know, we're, we're living in strange times with regards to sporting events and boxing events. So some things 
that are occurring, not, not particularly on the actual fights itself, but some things that are occurring backstage that we've never dealt with before. So we have to look at those sort of things and see how we can adapt. Some things promoters might be doing right, some things they may be doing wrong, some things we, we can tweak with regard to our procedures, some things that we should be doing better, uh, and maybe the things that's, that's right. So there are procedures in place for that to happen. I've now received all the reports from the officials and the judges, et cetera, from that show. And I will then obviously present that to the board at the next available meeting and we'll decide, they'll decide what they need to do. I, I you know, it, it is very difficult with regard to a individual's decision to allow a contest to go ahead. And ultimately, once he decided that fight should continue, there was no other time, in, I, I believe, he's in a position to stop that bout mm. until the end. Because... I actually think that Josh was clawing his way back into the bout. I think he won the fifth round. Um, some other people may disagree with that, but I think he did. Mm-hmm. In all but name, he was a world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a world championship bout. This was something you give people an opportunity to recover. As I said, if it was a four-rounder or a six-rounder, maybe the decision would be different because somebody can come back and rebuild. But at that point in their career, a defeat like that is very, very different. Robert, on that note, going back to that fourth round where Josh was clearly hurt and he'd been knocked down and he kind of clawed his way to survive to the end of the round. Adam and I were live on air at the time and we were watching it on the monitor and Adam felt, God, Howard should have stopped that. I was half there with you, wasn't I, Adam, at the time? I wasn't totally sure. Should it have been people critiquing his corner... That's a good point. His father and his trainer, Sean O'Hagan, the same man, were in his corner. Could they have not taken the decision at the end of the fourth round to have pulled him out rather than Howard Foster get all the flack? Well, they could have done. There's this thing about the father. Sean O'Hagan is a trainer, first of all. Certainly there's a connection between a father, but he's a trainer. Yeah. You know, my father trained me. Enzo Kalzaki trained Joe Kalzaki. There's there's the history of people being in the corner who are fathers or related in some way. We've got Campbell Hatton turning pro with his uncle in the corner. So, you know, so there is an emotional feeling on that, but you would hope they're professional enough to be able to divide that, divide that sort of line. They know that person because of the gym work, because of the situations they've been to uh, in fights before, better than anybody else. And, you know, he came back to that corner and I am told by the referee and told by the corner but he was talking, he was coherent, he was annoyed because of what had happened, but he was okay to continue. They felt he was okay to continue. And I think you've got to give that respect. You've got to give that um, license to them to make that decision. Shall we move on to judging? Because in the Zelfa Barrett Kiko Martinez fight, again, it caused a little bit of a stir with fans and pundits alike. The official scorecards for this fight were 118, 111 on two cards uh, and 116, 113. Uh, in the favour of Zelfa Barrett. Now, in in the aftermath of this, and I'm coming from an angle, Robert, of wanting to understand more. I want to get better myself on this. And I've spoken to so many fans, so many pundits, so many ex-fighters, and nobody has come to me with a with an explanation of how you can get to 118, 111 in that particular fight. What was your initial reaction when those cards came in? And And now, with hindsight, as the dust has settled, what's your reaction now to it? I thought on the night that Barrett won it by a couple of rounds. Um, I just thought his cleaner work inside. It's very difficult to explain to people, really. And, and you know, obviously, I've been banging my head against a brick wall and getting criticised for it. You know, I, at the moment, because of the conditions we are working in with boxing, I am six metres away behind a perspex screen. Other people are further back behind me looking through the same perspex screen as me. TV are looking, what? 30 yards, 40 yards away in a box in the air behind a perspex screen, but with the benefit of, of um, slow motion. Other pundits are in an angle and the corner, whatever. So it's very difficult to say the judges, etc., are wrong. I fully accept that the scores were wide. However, every round is a contest. So the scoring system we have now is if you win the round by a small margin, you get 10-9. If you lose a round by a small, by a large margin, you get 10-9. So that can throw that fight out completely, as in the view of what people are watching. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that would have made a difference in this fight, because I think the rounds were very close. But I also think that Kiko, his industry was tremendous. For the man of his age, his experience, etc., 
don't forget we're dealing with somebody who's been in with some of the best boxers in the world. He knows all the he knows all the tricks. He knows exactly what to do, and he knows how to get the view or the eye of the judges, etc., and the referee. He walked forward and he threw a lot of punches. I accept that. A lot of them landed on the arms. A lot of them landed on the gloves. In my opinion, I thought that Zelfa landed the cleaner shots with the little counters, the little uppercuts up close. I accept the scores were wide. However, every round is a contest. Have you spoken to the judges at all, Robert? Yeah, I mean, we have a meet-up after a show to discuss things. Um, and then we, obviously, you get things to cool down a little bit, and then you speak to them later on. They, they were genuinely surprised that everybody was kicking off on social media with regard to the scores, because they felt very confident what they'd done. It's just, unfortunately, that's how the system works. Regarding the system then, Robert, does it need to change to make it a little bit easier for fans, I suppose, to be able to understand it? Because you just mentioned there, you can you can nick around 10-9 and you can dominate a guy and still get the same score. Do we need to look at that and maybe change it? Well, I don't think changing the score scoring system on that particular fight would have made a difference. No. I do think that, um, and I've certainly stood up and my boss, Charlie Giles, has stood up um, at conventions in the past and say, listen, if, if it's a tight round it should be 10-9 if it's a right a wide round it should be 10-8 and then mm-hmm. we work our way down with knockdowns etc um, so that would maybe be um, uh, a way to go forward however you know for us just to do it on our own it isn't going to work yeah you know you've got to go the work the whole world has got to change how it does the biggest problem with boxing is there's no world governing body we all you know i'd love to love there to be a world governing body like fifa a world governing body where we're all sticking to the same rules. But it's not going to happen in my time with the Boxing Border Control. And I don't know whether it will happen for a lot for the next person taking over after me. Now then, after Robert, we spoke to a man that was also in the news this week who has left one promoter to team up with his former promoter in the hope that it gets him closer to another world title shot. Light heavyweight Callum Johnson was on the show. Here he is. When I heard the news this week that you had made uh, a promotional change, it kind of just felt right, Callum. It kind of just, it felt like you needed just a little bit of a change just to restart the momentum of your career. Yeah, definitely. I think um, we obviously came to the end of the road uh, where we was uh, for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know, uh, but you know, it's like you say. I think I needed a fresh start. Uh, Frank Warren was doing big things with BT Sport, and and you know he's got some great fighters himself, especially in my division. And hmm. you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about the change. It's like it's, it feels like I'm turning pro again, and I've got that buzz again. And you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited, and I'm training hard, and I'm I'm getting myself ready to go. Well, it's interesting you say it's turning pro again because this is who you turn pro week. It's, it's, it is going back uh, to Frank. You've obviously worked with him previously. When did the conversation start, mate, uh, um, to, to, to begin this new promotional deal? It was about, I think it was about five, six weeks ago. Um, well, me and Joe was talking. And like I say, we, we, we talk, obviously we talk about things and, and what, what we think's right and what we think's not right and things like that. And um, we spoke about Frank, and, and, and I said to Joe, you know, I said, what about what about having a word with Frank? And, and Joe said, yeah, I said, do, do you fancy that? And you know, Joe went away and, and did his thing, and, and, and he's got he got me a good deal with Frank and George, and everyone's happy. And, and like you say, it's all fresh, ready to go. Callum, it's great to hear your voice. Um, as I say, two years away. I'm looking at the world scene first of all. You know, you've got Baturbiev there, WBC, IBF, and Bivol. Uh, WBA, but the, the WBO vacant at the moment. I've heard you kind of whisper that the Joe Smith fight, the matchup with someone like Joe Smith is something that really excites you. Now, at the end of the day, let's remind the listeners that there ain't many people that have dropped Perturbiev either. No, no, there's not. And, you know, not only that as well, it's not just the fact that I think dropping him. I think there's there's, there's nobody that's um, you know, actually pushed him back either. And, and and gave him gave gave him uncomfortable times, and you know I did that. Yeah, okay, you know it was only a four round fight, and you know I come second, but you know I put him under pressure and I, I made him uncomfortable at times. And there's nobody that's ever been able to do that, um, and I feel I could do that again, but even better next time from from, from the experience and everything else. But you know, like you say, I've not I've not fought for two years, um, so I need to get back in and I need to work my way back up. But 
you know, as you speak about Joe Smith, that does really excite me because, you know, he's a fan favourite. Um, although I've not been boxing uh, recently, I feel like I'm a bit of a fan favourite, or I seem I seem to be from 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 what I hear from the fans and and what I hear when I do fight. So, and I I, I look at it as like if I was a fan, I'd like to see like Callum Johnson versus Joe Smith Jr. That that would excite me yeah, as a fan. Absolutely. Um, and that excites me as a fighter to be involved in them kind of fights where, where the fans and the public are buzzing about it. And like you say, not only that, it is, a, it is a route to potentially that WBO as well. So it's something that I'd like, I'd like to get down the line. Well, I, well I, I felt what the fans feel. I'll never forget the day when I sat with you and your mates on the steps of a... I think it was either a, a, um, a church. It was a church, wasn't it? We sat on the steps of a church yeah, near yeah. near Euston. Um, we did an interview, and y- you've got the most extraordinary story about um, you know the love for your father and his passing, and you know how you keep his business alive, and 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 how close you are to, to him still in many ways. And and I think the thing is with you, Callum, you carry your heart on your sleeve always, and. You want to go out there and entertain. Like, you weren't, you know, it didn't ruin you. Like you said, you came second against Baturbiev. It didn't ruin you to lose that, even though he'd stopped you. Um, and you want to go out there and please. You're very heavy-handed. You know you could knock anyone out in the world. Um, and what I'm also excited for you, I've got to say, is that on a, on even on a domestic level, you know, Lyndon Arthur, Anthony Yard, they're also obviously in Frank Warren's stable. Joshua Boatsy's rising through the light heavyweight ranks. There's four, five, six fights for you now at 35 that you can come out and show us still what you've got and upset the apple cart, even if someone sees you as a massive underdog. Yeah, definitely. But um, like you say, I am 35, uh, but I'm very young and very fresh. Um, you know, if anybody ever banks on me being too old, you know, they'll have a big shock. Um, certainly, for, <laughs> certainly for the next year or two anyway. Um, and like you say, I, I, and if them fights got made, I don't I don't see myself, I don't think I'd be an underdog or not by not by the uh, majority of the no. boxing public. No, not against Arthur, not against um, Yards. Um, Boatsy, I think he'd be made favourites. I think you and Joe uh, Smith is I, honestly... Please, COVID be over when that happens, because I want to come to America with three and a half or five thousand others from Lincolnshire to see it. You know, yeah, be, it would be a, uh, it would be an extraordinary event. Um, and like you say, you know, I've, that's what I want. I want to be in them kind of fights. You say I've not got forever left. I've got a good two or three years left, and in them in these last two or three years, you know, I want to be involved in big fights, exciting fights. You know, win, lose or draw, I just want to be involved in these big fights and, and, and have the finish my career the way, you know, it should have always been. Callum, for, for fans that have obviously missed you, why haven't you been uh, in action over the last couple of years? What, what's been going on? Is it injuries? Is it not the right fight? What, what's been going on? I don't know, mate. I, I, I still don't know the answer to that one. Um, you know, have you been I, fit? I, have you been fit? I've been fit. I, I did have one injury, but... You know, my last fight was in America, Sean in Monaghan. Yeah. It was like a, it was billed as a, a big 50-50 fight, a, a world title eliminator kind of fight. Um, you know, I went and destroyed him in three rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, everybody was talking about me that night. They wasn't talking about Bivol or Joe Smith. You know, the talk was all about me. Uh, I stole the show. And then, you know, it went quiet. It went real quiet. Then I got told I had the Joe Smith fight. You know, nothing ever came from it. Then I got told, you know, I could have had the Bivol fight, but I did get injured, um, you know, and I, obviously that put me out for about five or six months, that injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got made mandatory for the European. Obviously, I took that. We sorted the deal with that. Then uh, I also got offered the Bivol fight again. When that had been sorted, then I got offered the Bivol fight. Would you want to fight Bivol instead of the European? Go straight in for the world. I said, yeah, 100%. Never heard anything back from that. So that was all talk again. Uh, then obviously COVID struck, and yeah. then it was just a case I was keeping myself fit, waiting to get the call. You know, I got a I got an offer, uh, a free slash four fight offer that wasn't really, you know, uh, so there's was no there was, there was no there was no guarantees on those fights being of a certain standard or of a, of a certain level or for certain titles, for example. Well, on on the four fight offer, yeah, 
Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a fight to get back in. And then it was going to be the European, mm-hmm. supposedly. Then the third fight, Boatsy. And then the fourth fight was going to obviously be decided after the Boatsy fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but the offer that, you know, I got with obviously figures and things like that, it was just it was just a dismal offer and it wasn't you know, it wasn't really interesting to even look at. Um and then obviously we turned the first offer down and asked if there was any what what other you know, as you start going into negotiations then yeah. as you as you would as you would think. Um but then I never heard anything back. Never heard anything back. And then the next thing I heard was on Twitter that, you know, Eddie's not working with Joe Gallagher. And he's got no obligations to get me out, and, and and that was the last thing I heard. And you know, it was kind of I don't know. Oh, I was a little bit surprised, if I'm honest. Um, but disheartening is the word, isn't it, mate? Yeah, you've done nothing wrong. You want to fight. You want to get in there. You want to do it against the big boys. You know, it not even a, we didn't even get a take it or leave it back. To be honest, it was you know just didn't get nothing back. But. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about that because, you know, I, I had good times at Matchroom. I won the British title, the Commonwealth title. You know, I got out to America a couple of times. And, you know, I thank Matchroom and Eddie for that, you know. Um, so I, I don't want to speak bad because I've got no bad feelings towards them, you know. But it's just time to move on. And obviously, obviously, it was time to move on with, with the way it went. Well, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's full circle in terms of business. So let me take you back a decade because you signed originally... With Frank Warren, after you'd um, won uh, like heavyweight gold uh, for Scotland, wasn't it, at the Commonwealth Games yeah. in Delhi, two thousand and ten? That was I remember that. Um, but this is what I really want to know about. You've got to have a story here. You signed first of all with Frank Warren, but you were managed by Prince Nazim Hamid. How mad was that? Yeah, when I, when I first met Naz, like obviously Naz was one of my childhood <laughs> heroes. You know, I remember yeah. watching him staying up, watching the big fights, and I can remember the, like the, the watching him in America. You know, all the all the fights, and I can remember being devastated the night he got beat by Barrera. I can remember actually, mm. I was in tears. I was I can't remember how old I was. I must have been twelve, thirteen, or whatever I was, and I was in tears. I was literally in tears. Um, and then obviously, then obviously he's managing me, and I'm I'm going I'm going out for dinner with him. I'm going around his house. The time and but you know that that, that I don't know it must be me eh I don't know it must be me. <laughs> did, did, did he did he weigh as much as you did then though about ten years ago or was he still slim? No, he weighed more than me. He weighed twice, he weighed twice, <laughs> twice as much as me. I wouldn't want to take a right hand off him. No, not at all. No. Right. Listen, <laughs> listen, Callum, before we let you get on uh, with your night, I know that you will have had conversations with Frank and George and the team at Queensbury about what you want to do first up and next up. What's the, what's the plan? When will we see you? And, and what type of level of fight are we looking at, mate? Um, well, I'm, I'm hearing it's going to be early April. Um and to be honest with you, mate, whoever, whoever, like Joe and Frank can sort that out. I'm just training to fight and, you know, yeah, it's not going to be the highest level of fight, is it? Let's be right. Um, for one, I had two years out. Two, I haven't got the right for that kind of fight. Um, you know, obviously everyone would be screaming if I got like a top level fight straight away. But I'd be happy to jump in. I'm, whoever, it, whoever it might be, I'm, I'm not bothered. I'm just ready to fight. I want to fight. I've missed fighting and, you know, I want to have a good couple of years of, of fighting and that, and that's it. It'd be nice if they can just realign with the rearrangement of the Joe Smith Jr. Vlasov fight. If they can realign what you're doing with that. So, therefore, maybe the winner of that might be your second one. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah, well, mate, it would be brilliant. It would be absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, but like you say, that's down to Joe and, Ed, uh, Joe and Eddie. So Joe and Frank and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, George, and George as well. Um, you know, because obviously, and again, just while I'm here, well, I've already said it, but I'd like to thank George and, and, and Frank and Joe because they've they've all been working together behind the scenes to get this deal over the line. And, you know, hopefully it sounds as though Frank's um, as excited as we are and he's, he's excited about getting me out and keeping He's promised to keep me active and, you know, and, and, and then obviously the rest is left in my hands. Last weekend, the former IBF lightweight world champion, Richard Comey, was back in action. He took care of Jackson Marinez in six rounds, and he did it in sensational fashion. Big statement made. He is still a big player at £135, despite everybody else 
talking about Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney being the next in line to challenge the likes of Tiafimo Lopez. Don't forget about this fella from Ghana. He came on the show at the weekend to have a little bit of a chinwag about last weekend's performance and what he wants to do going forward. Last weekend, you were back in action, Jackson Martinez. And what we needed was a statement from Richard Comey. And you most certainly delivered that statement. Talk to me about the fight. As you put your head down on the pillow the night before and dreamt about the fight, it couldn't have gone any better, could it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it couldn't have gone any better. You know, um, it's been almost 14 months since I last fought. Coming out to fight a guy like uh, Jackson Marinez is always so bad. I lost my fight back home and I went home and people showed me love and they were like, we, we knew, we know you can bounce back. So, I mean, I went home and I, I saw the, re- the, re- the reception and the comment that people told me gives me the, you know, the morale to keep on, to get back into the gym and keep doing what I saw. When I left home, when I, I went home, I've been training because I know my comeback should be spectacular. So I've been dreaming of coming back and putting up a good performance. Let's talk about matchups because I know you're not a trash talker, so I'm going to trash talk for you. All right? That's, that's what right. I will okay. do. <laughs> I know that there's a lot of interest, obviously, in the young lightweights coming through. Obviously, Tiafimo's the wonderful things. He's doing his thing. You've then got Haney, yeah. Tank, Garcia, and everybody seems to be pushing all those together. And don't get me wrong, I would love to see those guys all fight each other. But then the likes of yourself aren't included in that conversation, which seems weird to me. You know, it's like those guys can then leapfrog all the great work that you've done up until this point. You've only been beaten by, well, at at the very highest level by the very, very top guys. So in my opinion, you're only one or two fights away from getting back in that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with you because obviously I've lost, but the thing is for them not mentioning my name, that is a question mark. They know who I was and maybe they don't want to say like, oh, I want to fight Richie, come and then boom, Richie is ready to fight them. I want to fight any of them. It doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? And uh, look at Pacquiao, for example. Pacquiao has fought all the big guys there. Those that is won, those that is lost. Sometimes it's not about losing. And when you check Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all. He came back and he won. And that is me. So, yeah, I've lost, but I've come back. But these people, I mean, these guys over there, they know. They know what I'm capable of doing. So, you just don't want to Sometimes it's hard when you belong somewhere and people don't give you the credit. But anyway, that is fine. I just keep doing what I'm doing. And they, if they have, they, they put a, 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 their eyes off me, it doesn't, I don't really care. All I need to do is to keep doing what I'm doing and I'll be, I'll be well noticed. Who do you want to fight next, Richard? Honestly, yeah, I want, a, I want a world title, right? So them guys who have got a world title, for me, I can't say I want to fight you. I want to, I want a world title. So if you have a, if there's a world title, all the champions there, I want to fight any of them. It doesn't really matter. Who's the champion for you? Is, is Teofimo the undisputed champion for you? Or do you view right. Devin Haney as a guy with, with the belt I, as well? With Teofimo, I know he's heading different direction. He's going to fight and he's going to move up in ways yeah. and all that. You know what I mean? So let's put that. Let's say, for example, I fought Teofimo already. He won. Okay, cool. The rest. Either Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney. Whatever is one thirty-five, you win that is I want to fight any of them. Do they want to fight you though? That is a question. Mm. It is a question, man. It is a question. I saw Ludabella this week speaking about Lomachenko. If that fight's offered to you next, is that something that you want? You know, for me, I'm a boxer, yeah, and I fight. So whatever is in front of me, all I got is to prepare myself. And look forward to it and train out and make sure I'm ready physically, mentally, and then so be it. But I want to be a world champion. So I don't really know. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I think Mick is going to have a word. He's going to have a meeting, my manager. He's going to have a meeting with, my, my, uh, with Ludi Bella, my promoter. So, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, I will know. And then we'll know what, what is on its way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I will know who my next opponent will be. And When you're thinking date wise, when do you want to be out fighting again, man? Hopefully, definitely in the summer, I should, be, okay. I should be back in again. So that means then you can have one more fight, have a little bit of a rest, and maybe come to England to watch Liverpool? Is that what you're thinking? Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> when I... Yeah, by then, you know, with the corona and everything, I know 
in the UK, you are you guys are in lockdown. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully so we'll be sorted. Done, and after my summer fight, definitely I will head to the UK. I was supposed to go to the UK before coming to America, but because of the lockdown, I couldn't, and we couldn't even come to the fight either. So yeah, where did your love of Liverpool come from? Is is that from when you were a young guy, or is it come? Yeah, when I was, was a young it? guy back home in Ghana, when I watched Macalister before, but then what makes me a dad of Liverpool is when yeah, I watched when uh, I think um, Michael Owen when he was in eighties, but then I got more uh, glued when uh, we we played uh, AC Milan, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> You know, you never walk alone. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we need to get you on Anfield. That's what we need to do. We need to get you Definitely. there. I want to put my foot in Anfield, man. I want to step there. There you go. Maybe we need to find a, a Scouse lightweight that you can fight on Anfield or something like that. Maybe get a boxing ring in there or something, eh? Mm-hmm. Maybe just, you know, you know, a single fight bosses. Now you see the YouTube and I can get someone who's interested in I'm for who like to book and I can share the ring with him. No problem. But that's my class. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Speaking of top performances last weekend, Dalton Smith was in action, and we kind of brushed over his performance because on last week's show we were all outraged with judging and refereeing, which was unfair on Dalton. So Gareth caught up with him pre-show to have a little bit of a chat about last week's performance. How are you doing a week on from your victory over Ishmael Ellis last week? Yeah, I'm all good. All good, thanks. Um, not, not, nothing's too different. Just, just had a bit of downtime this week. I was able to put a good performance in last week, so I'm, I'm happy with that. You didn't even break sweat and you're happy with it? <laughs> to be honest, I thought Ellis was going to give me more problems. Uh, mm. You know, watching his videos of the footage, what I had, I thought he was going to give me more problems. But, you know, after the first round, I felt I had my rhythm, you know, straight away. And then it was, you know, a matter of time and I knew I'd break him down. I'll use three words that I spotted in you last week. Intimidatory, predatory, and brutal. That's what I saw from you last week. And he, I think he realised very quickly that there was only one way the fight was going to go because he knew he was going to get very hurt. And I think mentally, you're being on him, I think you broke him very quickly. Did you feel like that in the contest? I felt that's how it went, yes. You know, you know after, the, I think the first right hand with what I landed you know that, that hurt, hurt him and then I could tell on his face after that he, he didn't he didn't really want to commit so I knew I knew I had to take my time and it was a matter of time before I broke him down in 2020 you got a fight in just before um lockdown and you got one in in the fight camp obviously that we were all cool um when you beat uh, Nathan Bennett is the key to be active for you four or five times this year of course, yeah, and I think the main thing for me is staying active. You know, I, you know, I, even though I was lucky to get three fight, uh, two fights last year, you know, my my main goal now is to stay as active as I can this year, and you know, hopefully try and get uh, three or four more fights in. 
you were in junior uh, world games and European games and Commonwealth games and so on. You're still only 24, but you opted to go pro after winning the ABAs. What was it? Two and a half, three years ago now. Yeah. Um, when you look at those guys like Fraser Clark and Caroline Dubois uh, and others, the McCormack twins, not at the Olympics this year, but having to forego, an, or last year rather, and having to forego another year of their career before turning pro, do you feel vindicated that you, that you opted to go into the pro ranks? What is it, like two years ago now? Yeah, I think it's around two years ago. And, you know, looking back, obviously at the time, I, I was gutted because, you know, every, every, all my goals and ambitions was to get to an, um, an Olympic game. So, but looking back now with the whole pandemic and stuff, you know, it's, it's worked out wonders for me. If, if I didn't turn professional, I wouldn't be fighting at all. A lot of talk last week about Sean O'Hagan in the corner of Josh Warrington. Sean O'Hagan and Josh Warrington, for those listening who don't realise it, but they're father and son as well as coach in the corner, trainer and fighter. Do you have discussions when people are debating that his father should have pulled him out or because Howard Foster didn't stop the fight last week after four rounds against Mauricio Lara? Do you... In, your father who trained you, do you ever kind of find yourself in dialogue after things like that? I think, to, to be honest, I've not, I've not had time to look back and, you know, look at the, the rest of the results of the show yet. But, you know, I, I saw the knockout, I saw the finish and it, 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 was, a, it was a bad knockout uh, for Josh. But I think, obviously, you see the comments saying his dad should have pulled him out before. But then again, his dad knows his son better than anybody else. And, you know, you've got to respect his decision and also the, the referees in there to, to to make that decision as well. But, you know, I'd have to watch it back to, you know, give my own opinion on that. Tell me what the rule is with you and your father then. Because, you know, as, as most people should know, when your father Dalton is in the corner with you, he's your trainer, not your father. I know he's always your father, but there's a line, isn't there, that he's doing a job in there as opposed to being your dad? It's quite a defined line with most people. Is it the same for you two? I think it is, yeah, and I think it's more for my dad. You know, he's able to adapt from the, you know, being a father and also being a coach. But I think the time will tell with that when, you know, if I'm ever in a in a fight where, you know, I've got to dig in and show, show how much gut I've got. But obviously, if, if my dad feels it's a decision to pull me out, then, you know, I'd have to respect his decision. So you have absolute faith in your father? Yeah, you know, I've got every faith in my in my dad. He he knows me better than anybody else. And, you know, if he if he thought it was the right decision to pull me out of there, you know, I'd have to respect that. But, you know, hopefully touch wood whenever in that situation. But, you know, you've got to respect your coach's decision. You know, even though he's my father, you've got, I've got to respect his decision either way. What's Dalton Smith? Like, away from the ring, you know, away from training. What do you get up to in life? To be honest, I live I live a simple life, to be honest, you know. I've got my dogs, take my dogs out. You know, I've got a few little hobbies, what I, what I like to get out and do. So, to be honest, away from boxing, I've always got stuff to keep me active and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I never find time to get bored or struggle to find something to do. Lovely, mate. Well, listen, when do you expect to get out again uh, in action? Have you got a fight date yet? Oh, hopefully I should have a date in April, May time. So, you know, fingers crossed, you know, I'm back in the gym next week and then hopefully get the Lee Apple Yard fight scheduled back in it, which, uh, you know, is, I didn't realise there's a lot of interest in that fight. So if we can get that one back on rescheduled, I'll be happy with that in around May time. You know that Eddie's taking Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin to Gibraltar. You yeah, the rumble I'm, on the rock. I'm watching the boxing myself now, and I heard him mention it over there, so, you know, there's a possibility the fight could be on there. It's going to have to be a, an entertaining undercard, and I think, you know, me and Lee Appleyard fit, fit, fit that, um, you know, that picture to go on the undercard. Our final guest on the show at the weekend was the man challenging for the WBC Super Featherweight Championship of the World. At the weekend, it was Miguel Burchell versus Oscar Valdez. And it was Oscar Valdez uh, that joined me on the show. Not that 
that this interview took place, obviously, before the fight on Saturday evening. So this is a build-up towards Saturday night's fight, in a way. But we also talk about his pet alligator, Steve. So I wanted to put it in the podcast for you. Here you are. Happy fighter. He's a very dangerous fighter. Oscar, how are you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. You know, I'm very excited for this opportunity. Really can't wait. I'm anxious for for coming February 20th because it's an opportunity of my lifetime. You know, I've dreamed of this moment ever since I was a kid. I grew up watching Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barraya fight. I watched the trilogy and, you know, that inspired me. It inspired me to have a great fight one day and fight for the WBC world title. And this is my opportunity. So I'm really excited for this opportunity. I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm going with everything and try to take, do everything to take that belt back home. You've kind of said everything that was in my head there, man. As you're, as you're a kid growing up, and obviously we'll talk about your extensive amateur pedigree and obviously learning this craft. As you're a kid growing up in and around that period of time in Mexico between 2000 and 2010, when all these great Mexican warriors are going at it and they're all fighting each other, is the dream as you're putting your head on your pillow at night, one day I'm going to fight in Las Vegas against another Mexican for a WBC belt. It doesn't get bigger than that, does it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. And, uh, like I said, I, I really, truly grew up watching these fights. These are the fights that inspired me when I was growing up. And I was tell, I was saying that to myself that one day I will have that type of fight. And as I became a fighter, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have that type of fight. But you can't force that fight to happen. Yeah. Some of those fights have to happen by themselves. And this fight with La Cambridgehead and myself, I think it has all those ingredients to be one of those fights. You know, we never know. I am very prepared physically, mentally for that. If we have to box, we have to box. We have to brawl, we have to brawl. But no matter what, I visualize myself coming out victorious as a winner, raising up my hand and everything, coming back and taking back the, the title to my family. That will mean the world to me. So I'm, like I said before, I'm very excited for this opportunity. I would love to inspire kids, the new generation growing up, the same way these idols inspired me. So... It's, uh, it's definitely an uh, uh, opportunity that I, have, uh, that I have to take advantage of. I don't think you'll be sure to viewers at the weekend, man. I think the whole of Mexico and the whole of the world, if anything's going by here in the UK, are going to be tuning into this fight. It should be a cracker. How, um, how frustrating have you found the period of rescheduling? Because for those that don't know, this was originally down for December. Uh, I'm, I'm no doubt you would have had plans for Christmas, New Year's and all those things with your family. They had to go on hold in order to reschedule this fight for the new year. Well, it's been difficult because this fight was actually supposed to happen in the early 2020. Of course, and yeah. Due to this pandemic, you know, it kept on getting postponed. And finally, it got finalized for December 12th. And unfortunately, my rival got COVID. So we had to postpone the fight again you know, to February. And we've been extra careful trying to get exposed to this virus. I was hoping they would take care of themselves to not get exposed to this virus as well. Hmm. And now the, the third is a charm. you know. So right now it wasn't easy, you know, working hard and slowing down then working hard again. And it's, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it was hard at first, but right now, like I said, I'm very anxious, you know, that it seems like this fight was never going to happen in my mind. So the more, the more I kept on, uh, you know, working harder, trying to stay focused it seemed it was basically it's taking a whole year to the whole year for yeah. this fight to happen. So I'm definitely prepared for this opportunity. I'm not going to let it go. And like I said, you know, just very anxious to step in the ring this February 20th. That's a, that's a lot of training at altitude in Guadalajara, my friend. Your, your lungs must be like, I don't know, bowling balls. They must be like that, ready to take in all that oxygen. All right. I am extremely ready for this fight because uh, like I said, I've, I've been training for almost a full year because of this pandemic and you know there's no going out where there's no going out to restaurants they're not going out to yeah. family meetings you know and also we consider ourselves a discipline i consider myself a disciplined fighter i try to stay as much as possible in the gym try to learn as much as i can as far as watching old fights as watch as far as watching my rival as far as being in the gym with my coach and trying to learn different things and looking at other fighters as well. I try to learn. I try to always learn different. So I've been in the gym not only preparing myself physically, but also mentally, trying to learn as much as possible. You know, in boxing, you never stop learning. So mm. there's always room to improve. And I think this year has been a very good year as far as me improving as a fighter. 
you, you come across as that type of human being because if, if I'm not mistaken as well, you've changed your diet. You went vegan, but I believe that you're now more plant-based. What was the thought process yeah. behind that? And how do you feel that it's helping you in the ring? Well, I definitely love being vegan. I went, I went vegan for a full year. Due to this pandemic, you know, the, the, the reason why I stopped being vegan was because of a pandemic. Because once the pandemic started, we, ne- we didn't know what was going on. Mm. I didn't know what this virus was. or None of us knew. So I thought this was a apocalyptic world was going to happen. So we got scared as a family. My family is pretty big. We all got it, got in the same house. And they were making food for 10 people. And apocalyptic times, I don't want to be picky about, I don't want to eat this. I don't want to eat that because uh, I'm vegan. So I started eating a little bit more fish, a little yeah. bit more uh, chicken. I still don't eat meat. I still don't eat a lot of things. I try to lower on my on the protein, but I'm very, I'm pretty much 95% plant-based. And that's all through through just staying healthy, staying healthy, staying physically and mentally, I'm mentally connected to to this world. I'm a I'm a tree hugger. I love animals. I love. Uh, I'm very. I try to always uh, get people involved on climate change, on everything that's going around this world. That we're pretty much dumping this world. We were destroying our world. So that's one of the main reasons why I became. A vegan because we don't know the impact that we're doing to this world you know watch a couple of documentaries mm. start investigating my doing my own research about how we're affecting this world just by eating meat that's how it all started and little did i know that being a vegan was making me make way easier mm-hmm. making me stronger and that it was a myth that you have to eat meat to have protein yeah so a lot of those things just started combining myself and um you know i just I just made Made that into my lifestyle. I made training camp into my lifestyle because if you want to be, if you want to last in boxing, because you got to be very dedicated. You got to be very dedicated. And you got to be willing to do what other people won't do. Listen, we're seeing it across a lot of sports, aren't we? Where sports science and nutrition and things like that are becoming to the fore, and a lot of people are paying more attention to it. And I'm delighted to hear that the reason that kind of got you inquisitive about it was your love for animals because that's what we're talking about now bro right that ranch (laughs) that you are building is crazy swimming with alligators you got snakes (laughs) up there man it's all going on up there i love it man i love it ever since i was a kid i've I've loved animals ever since i was a kid i was just from the littlest animal to uh, the biggest animal you know what i'm saying and i was i was a big fan of steve Irwin, you know the crocodile hunter and Jeff Gordon and all these, you know, all these animal lovers and, you know, they try to educate us as far as, you know, what the animal kingdom is. And I started growing as a fighter when I was an amateur. I was 17 when I went to Olympics, started getting a little bit of money. And, you know, I, I got the chance to, I got the chance to see somebody who was selling alligators. It didn't cross in my mind that I would ever have an, own an alligator, one of my favorite animals. That's where it all started. Uh, my first, my first alligator, I got it in 2008, and I've had four in my life. And right now, the the, the most famous one that I have is uh, Steve. He's uh, he's about 12 years old already. He's about seven feet, <laughs> so he's a he's a he's a big one. Little by little, I, uh, it was hard to maintain at my house because I live in Hermosillo, but a lot of people still think I live in my ranch. I don't live on my ranch. I live in my house. Mm-hmm. And I bought this property, and little by little, started making you know making a Habitat for my alligator, Steve. Then people started noticing that I love animals, and most of these animals are not. I didn't. I, I didn't buy them. These animals were 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 gifts from other people for wow. don- were donated to me because they can't. They couldn't afford keeping them, or they can't. They don't have enough space for them. Uh-huh. And my ranch is it's a pretty big property, so little by little I started building, and now I got a, got over definitely more than 15, 20 animals. Now, as well as having top guests on the show at the weekend, we did have a little bit of a review of uh, the Saturday night card from Matchroom, which was topped by David Avenesian against Josh Kelly for the uh, European welterweight title. What a fight. In fact, what a card. Fair play to everybody at Matchroom. That is how good boxing can be when you get the matchmaking right. Spot on. Big round of applause. Thank you very much for pushing boxing forward. And thank you very much for both of these two guys uh, for giving us a top-class fight. In the immediate aftermath of... Uh, Avanessian versus Kelly, myself and Gareth had a little bit of a waxing lyrical. 
Take a listen. What a brilliant fight. What a well, brilliant, brilliant fight. Great matchmaking all round. Avanesian yeah. has got the job done in the sixth round after the towel came in. Yeah. But for six rounds, mate, that was entertainment, top class stuff. So you were not concentrating on our show, were you? <laughs> um, uh, right, uh, but, Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, look, look, it was a really, really good fight. Kelly's being comforted at the moment by Adam Booth in the corner. Um, I, you've got to give a nod to Adam Booth for a first of all, yeah. because uh, Kelly was badly hurt in that sixth round. He was stopped in the sixth round by the hooking punches of David Avanesian, um, the, the Armenian-Russian, who, at the end of the day, um, is at the peak of his 12-year sojourn as a professional fighter. He's 32 years of age. We said at the top of the show, when he gets on top of you, he is a power puncher extraordinaire. He hits hard. Both both hands are heavy. Once he's got you in trouble, he lands these winging hooks. He had Kelly cut, I think it was in the second round. And, you know, for for three or four rounds, Kelly's brilliant elusiveness really, you know, was, was making a mockery of Avanesian. But then, you know, this guy has power for world level. He has been in, as you said earlier, with Shane Mosley. 12 rounds, 12 rounds with Lamont Peterson, who's a, a serious physical specimen. You know, a very I was there when he beat Amir Khan controversially by a point a decade ago. Um, as you said earlier, the two incredible knockouts of German Lecharaga is how you say it, actually, Adam. Um, yeah. um, you know, uh, in, uh, in 2019, uh, the destruction of Jose Del Rio, and now in many ways the destruction of one of the most touted prospects in British boxing in his 12th fight. I think what we really need to talk about is how does Adam Booth, the Dark Lord himself, and I mean that respectively because he's, he's brilliant at hatching plans, how does he now create a rebirth for this marketable 26-year-old Josh Kelly? That's the million-dollar question because this was supposed to be the breakout party, wasn't it? It was supposed to be uh, the fight that has been building for two years between these guys. There's been a bit of needle back and forth and what have you. Avanesian been there, done it at world level. He has been on a wonderful tear on the European scene. And this was supposed to be the step up that the fans, the British fight fans, have been absolutely clambering for. They've been thirsty for. Where is Josh Kelly at? Is he at the elite level? Now, you're right to point out that... The, 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 the result of the fight is going to say Josh Kelly stopped in the sixth round by David Adonisian, right? That's what it's going to say. And people will conclude if they've not watched the fight from that where Josh Kelly is at. For large percentages of that fight, he's having success. He's looking good. He's looking slick. He's landing. And you're thinking, Josh, brilliant. And then he uses that Philly shell type guard, doesn't he? You know what I mean? Where one hand's down protecting the body. Very similar to what Floyd Mayweather uses. And then he, when his hands, when he, when, he, when he gets into a confident role, Josh, he then looks like he's going to switch off a bit. And that's what happens. He switched off a touch and then Avanesian has a bit of success. Then he switches back on, does Josh? I thought it was a great back and forth. Avanesian's power just had, to, it was just too much for him. Um, listen, this is not the end of Josh Kelly. There's no doubt about that. He, he goes back, licks his wounds and he comes back. But I'll tell you something, David Avanesian, where does he go from here? Because there's some serious monster fights out there at welterweight where, you know, we're, we're talking about a division where the best aren't fighting the best and some of these best fighters are looking for some real challenges. His name should be on a lot of people's lips. Do you know who he'd match up very well with in a fight, although it probably won't happen, is with Manny Pacquiao, believe mm. it or not. Mm. Um, um, you know, it's... It's, it's, um, it, it's a... You know, it, the style... The thing is about Avanesian... He, like you say, um, he was made to look foolish in there in, in a couple of in, in moments during that fight with Josh Kelly. But when he gets into range, as I say, Egis Kavalyauskas is the only person I've seen put it on him. Um, and he, and he, it was a beatdown that night. It was a very one-sided uh, beatdown and he got beaten up by Kavalyauskas. Um, and Kavalyauskas is a massive puncher as well. Avanesian is that Eastern European it's a style, a kind of just a give-it-all style. He doesn't hold back. And what happened in this fight? Because I do think that we, we warned about this for Kelly. At no point 
did Evanesian have any fear of coming forward? And I wonder whether they'll work now on planting Kelly's feet more, Adam, mm. and making sure that he f- gets the full respect of his opponent in those early rounds, you know? Um, that's I'm exactly, not sure he did. No, I think you're right. I think that's what you need to do, don't you? When, when someone can hit like that fella, you need to hit him hard, so therefore he's a little bit wary of something coming back because what Devin Evanesian's game is, is walking through and landing his bombs. Now... I'm 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 fasc- I'm really fascinated now because I I hope he's not overlooked. I hope he's not just brushed to a side. I hope he I hope someone takes control of it. I know he, he works um, with his team, Neil Marsh and Craig Reeves. I uh, Carl Greaves, should I say? I hope that they work together uh, with a, with a top company in order to get him a top class fight. He he deserves it. The tour that he has been on, do not underestimate. Uh, the Spanish kids that he's absolutely nailed at European level. Josh Kelly, Olympian, he's done a job on him this evening. He deserves to be in with the well, very, very best welterweights. I, I, I made Avanesian the favourite going into this bout, Adam, a clear favourite because, it, like you said, it was whether it was what Kelly had tonight, what Avanes, not what Avanesian had. And you look at the world boxing rankings at the, uh, sorry, the world boxing rankings at the moment, and. Um, he is seven Avenesian with the WBC. Errol Spence Jr. is the champion. And, you know, Sean Porter's one. Mike, Mikey Garcia's two. Keith Thurman is three. Danny Garcia is four. And Virgil Ortiz is five. And Egis Kavaliaskas is six. David's just beneath him. You go to the WBA, and without reading the list out again, he's ninth. Um, you go to the IBF, and he's sixth. So, and he's 10th with the WBO. So he's one of those guys who could easily get picked up in a voluntary defence by a Terence Crawford or uh, an Errol Spence um, or even, a, you know, a Virgil Ortiz even, you know. Um, he deserves, he, like you say, he does deserve um, real credit for that win because, you know, a lot of people... On, who were riding the uh, the train of Josh Kelly thought that he would just completely bamboozle him tonight. And you've got to, you know, Avanesian's like one of ours now because he's based in Britain anyway, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but he is. He's been here two yeah. years. He loves living here. Um, you know, and, I, and he's a very, very happy man tonight. But what I will say about him is that he's not a big welterweight, you know. Um, you know, Errol Spence Jr. is a big welterweight you know six foot very broad um you know Terence Crawford is probably the most skillful welterweight out there um but he'll stay in the mix now and look Eddie Hearn's promoting him isn't he promotes both of these guys so you know it's a great opportunity it's a great victory for him tonight Uh, so there you have it that's this week's fight night podcast uh or the thing that is left for me to say is thank you because uh, as you heard in the show at the weekend we have been nominated um, for a broadcast award at the SGAs the Sports Journalism Awards um, our coverage of Wilder Fury 2 from this time last year has been nominated for Best Live Event so if you participated in that interacted with us throughout the course of that week or maybe sent us a message of congratulations we thank you dearly our boxing team uh, endeavours to hopefully get you closer to more events throughout the course of 2021 and who knows we might even pick up some silverware along the way but thank you very much for your kind words uh, and notes of congratulations throughout the course of the week it only leaves me to say please subscribe to this podcast so therefore you never miss out on any of our boxing content you can get it on iTunes you can get it on the TalkSport website I'll catch you next time sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.